Hey guys, we're back. Uh, Jake Viberton, myself, John Pinch, VP Precision. Yo, yo, yo. Episode five. Number five. <laughs> there we go. Um, we're uh, love competitions. Um, I came to competitions because of hunting, and I love hunting. It's my first love. I still love going on amazing hunts. It takes you to places that you I would never ordinarily go, places where not some places where not many people have ever been and um, absolutely love it. Sometimes it's you stressful to get on a hunt. You're like, man, that's a lot of work. And then you get out there and it's like, oh, it's good. You just refreshed. You got this craziest places, just feeling feeling good, getting your hike on, glassing, and just being out there. I just love it. So we're talking a little bit about hunting, um, kind of some basic stuff. I don't know, kind of see where that goes. And we'll talk about more of, of that as we... Uh, go along through the year, especially as hunting season coming up. I've got mm-hmm. a big hunt in a couple months, so we'll talk about that more as we get closer. Big stone sheep hunt, which is a really big deal for me. Um, and then also want to talk about the second half of the show. I think the second half of the show, uh, you know, we're going to talk about some rifle expectations. Mm-hmm. Not only uh, hunting rifles, but also uh, rifles in the competition world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what do we expect from rifles? What do we want to get from rifles? And really, what kind of rifles can be successful mm-hmm. in, um, in, in long-range precision rifle competitions and long-range hunting as well? So, yep. uh, you know, my, my kind of hunting background, uh, you guys probably all obviously know John's like a professional this and <laughs> <Not quite>. super <laughs> fancy that and everything when it comes to hunting. Um, he, uh, he, he's been on some amazing, uh, amazing hunts and, and, you know, being able to be around a lot of that stuff is, uh, just a ton of experience. My experience, I actually kind of got into precision rifle competitions from the long range hunting world as well, but mm-hmm. it was, uh, completely different because it was super casual for me. And when mm-hmm. I wanted to go long range hunt, it was maybe shooting a coyote at long range and I thought I was on top of the world mm-hmm. or... It was doing stuff like that, um, so it was just a little bit different. Um, part of part of my long range hunting or hunting background is I've, I've been pretty fortunate to kill a couple of animals, um, mm-hmm. you know, a, a moose and a, an elk and a deer, just a little bit of, of everything. Uh, I've killed a ton of coyotes. Yeah, I've probably shot uh, maybe two hundred and fifty or three hundred coyotes um, over the lot. last seven or or ten years. So I really enjoy shooting coyotes. I know that uh, I had one year over a hundred. So that's oh, that's all. I didn't know that. that that's where a majority. How'd you of do mine. that? I want to hear about this because so. coyotes are <laughs> long range. Coyotes is legit because generally, yeah. unless they're sleeping or something, generally they're moving. They're hard to get a range on. A yeah. lot of times they're in flat ground, as it makes it harder to get a range on and harder to see. Yep. You know, maybe a miss or, or, or whatever. So, so was, tell me about it a little bit. I didn't know this. So I was a little spoiled. Um, I, I shot over 100 in, I think, 2012 and 2013. Wow. That That time area, I shot a lot and uh, almost, I think, maybe four or five of them were long range. So okay. I, was, I, was, I was a little spoiled. Uh, nope. We were... <laughs> so I lived at Jubilee uh, Youth Ranch. And oh, okay. So we were right in the middle of apple orchards and I was a youth pastor over there. I would, uh, uh, I had a dog, a German shorthair pointer, and I would run her on the four-wheeler all through the apple orchards. Oh, okay. And for whatever reason, uh, a dog uh, like Allie would just attract coyotes like oh, you would not believe. Oh, cool. You dog hunted them. I and didn't know this. And so we would go on the four-wheeler, and I always carried um, 
my Ruger Model 2245 suppressed, nice. and it was pistol. just a little pistol. Yep. And so what would happen is we'd be running through, you know, she's really fast and she loves to run. So we'd be going maybe, let's just call it 25 miles an hour, through the middle of the apple orchard, like between the trees. And I'd be dodging trees, dodging apples so it doesn't hit me in the forehead. <laughs> and so we're going through, and, you know, these, these rows are maybe 10 feet wide. So you got a pretty good alleyway. And so you're, you're rolling down, dog might be in front of you, maybe behind you, maybe in one of the other uh, tree aisles. And uh, Brochy Orchards in Washington State is the longest continuous apple orchard in the world. It's a Whoa. giant apple orchard, and they do a lot, of, um, a lot of apples there. Well, anyway, we would go and we'd do that. Well, there's coyotes all over the entire orchard, uh, dens all over and little Whoa. scab ground dens, like a ton, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of yodis Jeez. all over the place. So, so we would go out on a four-wheeler. <laughs> And I would run her probably five times a week, you yeah. know, roughly, and, you know, sometimes every day of the week. But we would run on, the, on my little four-wheeler, and I always carried my twenty two forty five, And, you know, we would always attract four, five, six really? coyotes, and I would almost always shoot them while I'm driving the four-wheeler <laughs> on the 20, 20 miles an hour while dodging apples. <laughs> That's awesome. So you would just go, and you just, you know, with your twenty two forty five, send four or five bullets, and you just watch them tumble. That's awesome. And um, you didn't always hit them, obviously, because yeah. you, were, you were bouncing all over and going all over, but I got pretty good at it. And, man, I killed a lot of coyotes in a couple, awesome. a couple years span. Uh, doing that, and then most of the other coyotes I killed uh, right above the orchard, where I actually ran a couple matches up there, ran a PRS match okay. up there, and you know, uh, super epic views overlooking the apple orchards and overlooking the the Snake River. It was a pretty cool. Um, it was just a, a, a cool match. Well, it was right up over the top of it, and they had all this scab ground uh, right underneath the apple orchards. So a ton of coyotes would be there. Well, when I'm setting matches up, when I'm out there practicing, whatever I was doing, uh, as soon as you go there, you see four or five, six coyotes because it was really like un. Huh. It was it was unhunted. It yeah. had been for years and yeah. years and years. Uh, they didn't they didn't do that, but. So you got some long range coyote <clears throat> shooting there. So we did a little bit of long range coyote shooting there too. We also did some under night, and so we would yeah. call them, and cool. we would run under thermal and night vision. Cool. Uh, we had on Jubilee, there was a little bit of, uh, like a horsemanship and okay. kind of like an agriculture, uh, program. Well, okay. they had cows and pigs, chickens, and every once in a while we had a dead cow or a oh, dead okay. pig, yeah. um, or something we had. And so we yeah. would, we would put that strategically in a little valley. And I remember one year we had, uh, we had the guys from Silencer Co. out there, and nice. I remember myself, uh, some of those guys from Silencer Co., we had put that bait pile out there, and so we roll out, we're like at 350 yards, and these guys brought over some sweet thermal units oh, that cool. were incredible, and I had never really had the opportunity before to, to use them. So anyway, we go to this little deal, and you look through the thermal, and they're all over the hillside. And we're just, I was just like, holy smokes, <laughs> I haven't seen so many coyotes. That's awesome. So you start shooting, and we all started shooting at the same time. And just like little ants, they would just all, 
you yeah, know, just white ants. Just, yeah, just white ants all over the place. They would they would kind of scatter. Wow. And we killed a lot that night. Oh, that's we, cool. We had a good time of coyote <laughs> hunting that night. But yeah. it was important for us to kill them because we had digging uh, up the orchard. Baby, we, well, we had baby pigs. Yep. You know, we had uh, chickens. Yep. And they were laying eggs, which we were you yep. know uh, you know eating those eggs and then you know protecting our pork and. Um, and they were also a pester to the horses and the yeah, cows. And yeah. so it was actually a, it was. Sound like there was a few around. Yeah, there was a bunch around. So that was kind of where I got uh, a lot of my coyote killing out of the way. Nice. I didn't know that. That's a lot. 100 is a lot. <coughs> I can't say that I'm anywhere close to that. So, sometimes we would do. <laughs> That's crazy. You know, Allie, you know, my dog Allie and I, yeah. she was my hunting partner, but yeah. she attracted them all. Oh, yeah. And they could never catch her. She's a German short It's cool. Guys take fast. those. There's videos on YouTube of guys that just call and have their dogs. So the dogs set by them. Mm-hmm. Uh, as soon as they see coyotes, the dogs will go out, run to them, coyotes start chasing them, and they'll run them right into the shooter. And it's they train their dogs to do that. It's super it's like effective. Cheating, yeah. Super and so effective. Allie, I just wanted Allie to get away. Yeah. And sometimes it'd be three or four coyotes hot on her heels, wow. but she's a fast dog. Yeah. Coyotes are fast too. Yeah, but not that so, fast. So um, it wasn't quite so fast. So I'd just catch up and I'd shoot through the trees and bam, 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 bam. And then there'd be Did a couple of them Did they pay any running. attention to you at all? No, they they really didn't. And sometimes I'd be maybe two or three rows Rose, over. Yeah. Um, and so. They're just focused on you her. You know, they were just beeline on Allie. Whoa. And uh, so we had a. We had a good time. She was always oh, faster. Cool. She got caught a couple times, you know, kind of snipped in the heels or whatever. And, and so then she'd kind of turn around and look what was going on. <laughs> but she loved it. She absolutely loved it. And I loved it, obviously, because oh, I'm, I'm just, you know, trying huh. to headshot coyotes on the four-wheeler. <laughs> so uh, back to your... Not, not a lot of guys have hunted moose. Did you live in Alaska for a little bit quickly? Just No, I didn't. My, my uncle lives uh, on Kodiak Island, a little town called Chiniac. Oh, cool. so, so we went up there. there. Man, I fished a ton when I was a kid. Cool. Um, up there on Kodiak Island, they have like three things. They have black-tailed deer. They have Kodiak brown bears, yep. and they have mountain goats. Yep. That's really all they have on Kodiak Island. Yeah, a little bit of caribou. Um, yeah, and so, you know, they could be planted or whatever yep. as well. Yeah. <clears throat> so we did uh, a little bit of that. I saw some giant bears up there. I have not shot a bear. I'd love to shoot a bear. Uh-huh. I was just talking with uh, a buddy, Paul Dallin. He's a giant bear hunter. He just he's addicted to shooting bears every year, <laughs> and he loves it. So he's That's cool. you know, we were talking about going on a on a bear hunt. So no, I didn't live up there, but I was fortunate to go up there with uh, you know a family member, and cool. That's where I shot my moose up there in right the Denali. Cool. So that was awesome. Cool. Right, right on. So, I've I've done a uh, fair bit of hunts from just all over. I've got luckily have a friend I grew up with, um, Ben. He's allowed me to go on a lot of hunts that I normally wouldn't be able to go on or afford. And and before shout that, out to Ben. Yeah, thanks, Ben. And so we grew up together hunting since we were tiny, and uh, it's it's been fun. And then I've also done a lot of just. All kinds of just drawn tags. I drew a killer Nevada tag last year for elk, and then just buying landowner tags, Colorado or whatever. Just I've hunted my whole life, and so that's a passion. But I guess quickly we'll talk a little bit about. Um, let's talk about we talk about our comp guns a lot, but uh, kind of hunting guns. What um, what is your what did you shoot your mule deer with in Colorado last year? Uh, I shot that with a uh, twenty eight nozzler, cool. um, and uh, that was shooting the factory nozzler one seventy five. 
uh, long range acubons okay. and factory ammo. I, for whatever reason, I'm a big fan of just shooting factory ammo in my hunting rifles. Uh, right now, I have a 6.5 uh, PRC, and I'm shooting the 143 ELDX uh, from Hornady, and it's it's their match hunting mm-hmm. line. Man, that stuff shoots so good. I am I'm so happy with it. My you know, think, my gun is yeah. is really light. Yep. So you think, man, it's just not it's just not going to shoot as good as my match stuff. But it really surprises me. I mean, Dude, stuff I hammers. That's been the biggest. Uh, I don't know if it's taken the hunting world by storm, but the PRC and that ammo combination is unbelievable. Like I'm building two PRCs right now, so some 22, 24 inch carbon barrels, carbon stocks. Got a stock from Mesa Precision. Um, building them on a on a Curtis uh, Axiom, um, and it's everybody that gets a PRC is like you won't handle it. And I haven't shot factory ammo on a hunt or really anything for I, I don't know well over ten years. I just don't shoot factory ammo ever. I mean, twenty two ammo, some nine mil ammo, but I don't shoot factory ammo. And so they're like, you will not believe what the one forty sevens, the one forty threes, that Hornady ammo does. Um, so I'm excited. They're they're, they're just about done. Um, they should come in. I'm going to put a 3.6 to 18 uh, loop pulled Mark V on them. And I think I don't know for sure. I'm going to be somewhere in that eight and a half to nine and a half pound range. Finished with you know break and and I'm using a bottom metal with a mag. But I probably that's what I'm going to take on the stone sheep hunt. And I there's pretty good chance I might be shooting that factory ammo. I couldn't believe yeah. how it shot in yours. I've got Cody. My buddy's got one. Mm-hmm. Chase has got one. Everybody I know gets one and shoots that Hornady ammo, and it's unbelievable. Yeah, you've so, actually shot mine. So, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. you got it suppressed. It's awesome. Yeah. So I probably won't suppress mine just because of the backpack hunt and the weight and everything. But mm-hmm. um, the PRC seems to be taking – um, kind of the mid to small, you know, smaller game. I mean, you can shoot anything with it, moose and elk. I just, I think there's better options, but um, it's kind of taking that, that deer and sheep and antelope game by storm um, mm-hmm. for the guys wanting to run 6.5 calibers. Um, I hunted with a a big gun, a 338 Lapua Improved for the last bunch of years. This thing is an absolute beast. It's huge. It weighs 16 pounds, so it's Idaho legal. Um it's a bullpup styled gun with a 32 inch barrel. It's a giant gun, but it's short, so it's backpackable. And I've taken that on desert sheep hunts, mountain goat hunts, doll sheep, stone sheep, moose, caribou, mule deer, elk, uh, coyote, rock truck. I mean, you name it your blacktail, coos dealer, whitetail, everything. And it's. I'm addicted to the heavy 300 grain bullets, but I'm kind of venturing out building a 300 Norma right now, which I've had good luck with on some ELR shoots I've done. And so we're going to play with the 300 Norma. Um, I, the 338 will definitely still be there as backup because it's always a hammer. It's old trusty and 300 grains hits hard. And, um, but those, those are my, those are our hunting guns right now. This, the PRCs will be done very quick. Action will be here in a couple of days. Barrels are, got the reamers here barrels are here stocks here so we'll be getting those cranking pretty quick um so you've got a prc and a 28 nozzler uh, i have a prc and 28 nozzler both are kind of carbon fiber-ish guns yeah um carbon fiber uh chassis on my 28 nozzler from xlr oh yeah um both have uh 
you know, they're they're fairly light. I, I've never been a fan of a super super ultralight Same. six or seven pound gun. So I, I want to say the twenty eight Nosler is all dressed up scope mag. Yep. Um, everything I want to say is eleven and a half, and I like that my word. PRC is at eleven. Yep. Uh, my current go to gun is the PRC. It's got a proof carbon fiber barrel on it. Uh, I run suppressed, so I'm running the um, Harvester from Silencer Co. Cool. And it's a little bit longer can, but I just like how light it is it's quiet and too. how it's. You how, know, do you know how much it weighs roughly? Is it like a, a ten? I thought it was eight or ten ounces, but so I can't remember. It's so light. Um, it's it, it's it's pretty light for a for a suppressor. So I need to update my. I got my old. I had a titanium can and it weighs and a ton. Heavy. And I was like, heavy, man, yeah. I cannot believe how much lighter they've gotten in the last few years. Yep, so I don't exactly want to suppress, right. but it's tempting to do it on some of these hunts, especially with those weights. Yeah, that's right. So so I I love it. I. I enjoy it. It's kind of my go-to, and I'm, you know, I'll be fortunate to hunt a little bit in Washington this this year on some deer. Um, we'll just uh, shoot some some muleys here local. So, what scopes do you run on those? I run, uh, you know, good question. So I'm a fan of of like a something max of a 17 to 20 power for mm-hmm. a hunting rifle. Okay. Um, I don't want to run a big, you know, 7 to 35 or something like that. For me, I think it's a little bit much. Yeah. Um, other people might disagree, and, you know, they might want to run that. But I run the 3.2 to 17 from USO. It's got my same competition reticle in it. Cool. So I'm comfortable with it. I'm familiar yep. with it. I've yep. seen it a lot. I'm not I'm not running something else. Yep. Um, I also run mill on those, and I know some people run MOA or whatever, but, again, I'm comfortable with it. Yep. I know it. It's going to be real easy for me. And for those calibers, almost all these calibers, it's so easy. At, you know, 300 yards, you're like .9. At 400 yards, you're 1.6. Yeah. 1.7. So inside that particular range of 400 or 500 yards, you can really very, very quickly just relate all the ballistics that yeah. you've done to um, from other cartridges. Now, obviously, yep. when you get out to distance, you're going to want to, um, you know, pull your Kestrel out and yep. pull your ballistic app out and make sure you're dead, dead nuts money. But, you know, within a few inches at those distances of uh, four or 500 yards um, and in, it makes it a really quick system yeah. just to be able to, to go. Because I'm familiar with mills, I'm familiar with the scope, I'm familiar with the platform, so yep. it makes it pretty nice. Yeah, we're sitting here talking. We're like, let's talk about hunting stuff a little bit and talk about more later. And then my brain's going like the million places <laughs> we could go right now. It's like like mill versus MOA. I do, I've yeah. done the same thing. I've converted because I started competi- shooting competition. I switched to mills. I shot MOA my whole life. I love MOA. I, people that bash MOA I, I think are silly. But I do use mill for comps, and because of that, I shoot mill hunting now. And they both work great. I think there's definitely some benefits for MOA that we can talk about later if you're hunting and that's the guys you're shooting with are shooting MOA, but that's a that's another discussion for another time. But shoot what you're com- comfortable with. Shoot a, co- a scope you trust. I always overscope. I mean, there's got you can run, you know, smaller, lighter scopes and ho- do holdovers, reticles, whatever. But I run the same scopes I run, you know, for hunting, mm-hmm. like or f- for comps I run for hunting. So I'm running a Mark Five. I'll probably do the three to eighteen on mm-hmm. one of them, and I'll run a five to twenty five on the three. So you're you're going to run three to eighteen because it's a little less power. You're not going to reach smaller. out as far. A little well, smaller. No, you know, is it, it lighter it's, as well? It's shorter. It's lighter. It's a tiny little okay. scope. I think yeah. it's a cool. It's a really cool looking scope. Check yeah. it out. It's the three point six to eighteen by fifty. Uh, loophole mark five i believe but it's a really compact size is it um it's a good looking scope so that's going to go on my six fives on my normal i'll probably still run a 535 or a 5 to 25 mark five 
and I've run 525s for forever on um on my hunting guns and Mm -hmm. but to be to be to be honest like so when I for a while I ran a two point a two and a half to ten uh a night force it was a two and a half to ten by 32 I think in excess they're a little tiny compact scope and I ran that we had those on 300 ultra mags um on some six five some different guns that I've had and so I was like man I want to I was real like up in my head about the 10 power. I was like, I just, that just doesn't seem like enough. Cause I was always shooting on at that time, 22 power in an old NXS five and a half 22. So always shooting on 22 power. I was like, can I go to 10 long story short, drove the four wheeler out on this big logging road, big cut bank where they punched a road in stuck a wall, you know, this dirt bank full of clay pigeons drove back to a thousand yards. It was like nine ninety or a thousand twenty, right around a thousand yards and laid down on 10 power. And I could, I could quarter the clay pigeon with my reticle, meaning I could see parts of the, um, is it raining really hard? What is that? No. Something. Anyway, I'm hearing something in the headset. Um, I could see parts of the clay pigeon all around um, my reticle. And, um, bro, it is raining. (laughs) We got, whoa, that's coming down. (laughs) Anyway, um, I heard some loud noise, and it's a uh, we got a little thunderstorm going on. Anyway, um, I can see parts of the reticle or the clay pigeon all the way around the reticle made shots, and um, you know can see exactly where stuff was going. And since then, I was like, man, ten pounds. I'm like, you can you can do a lot of damage at long range. So just whatever you get, you don't have to have twenty pounds. You don't have to have a high powered scope to shoot far. You need a good scope that you can see and that tracks well. So yep. pick a scope you trust. Tracking's huge. A huge giant just. Don't use cheap scopes. You know, get your scope, trust it, beat on it, hit it, test it. <laughs> so you don't, you know, test it before you get out in the field. So anyway, we will go down more of this stuff later. We're, we could definitely uh, go down some rabbit trails here, but just wanted to kind of touch on some stuff we're working on. I'm putting a lot of guns together right now. I'm super excited about with the 300 Norma, uh, the 6.5 PRCs. Um, probably will do a, a Norma improved shoot. I'm kind of curious to shoot those new uh, Hornady A tips. They've got a 230 grain 30 cal bullet that has the same BC as a 300 grain Burger 338. The 250 30 cal bullet is a BC that's out of this world. So I kind of want to play with those out of a Norma improved. Anyway, we've got a bunch of stuff working on on the hunting gun side of stuff that we don't talk about as much mm-hmm. that I'm super excited about. So yeah. Um, we'll wrap that up for now. Definitely we'll talk about hunting more. If you guys have questions about hunting stuff, please let us know, um, or topics, anything about that. Love to talk about that. And something that we, you know, are, so you're, you're really skilled in, I guess, all aspects of, of hunting. Uh, I feel that I am, you know, not, uh, I'm definitely a novice when it comes to most of that stuff, but as far as the gun stuff and the calibers and oh, yeah. the equipment, um, you know, that's kind of where I'm going to be able to excel in any oh, sort huge. of hunting topic because I, because that's where we started and we've shot uh, so many competitions. We know what works exactly. down range. Yeah, you might not know the ins and outs of tag applications and the premium exactly. units across the United States, but if you get, if you get in front of an animal, it's going better, down. It's going down. Yeah, I mean, it's going down. And so, as far as shooting and killing stuff, that's not the issue, but um, absolutely the crossover there is huge. Um, and so I really relate a lot of, a lot of the competition stuff um, and we've taught some long range uh, competition and long range hunting classes, mm-hmm. 
and we combine them. And the reason we combine them is because a lot of the guys that want to go out and they want to shoot long range uh, hunting, you know, they want to go on some long range hunts. They have the opportunity maybe in the eastern side of Washington or wherever throughout the country that they're going to have some long, yeah. some long range shots. Yep. We can teach them some competition uh, basics. And all of a sudden, they're gonna. It's gonna be a light bulb clicks, and then they're gonna say, "Okay, oh, it's crazy. Now I know exactly what I need to do to be able to shoot that 300, 400, 500, 600, 700 exactly. yard shot." Um, it's huge. I mean, talk a little bit about. Um, we did that class a month, a couple of months yep. ago, whatever, um, in Eastern Washington, and day one kind of got everybody on steel, zero, blah blah blah. Just went through a bunch of stuff, and day two we kind of ran them through mm-hmm. sort of some mock stages. So our our. Uh, you know, kind of our two-day hunting class that John and I do with VP Precision, what we do is uh, the first day is going to be fundamentals, getting people dialed in at distance, looking at your ballistic programs, making sure your gear is set up for you, uh, you know, and, mm-hmm. and running through all those different things that we really want to hammer on, whether it's trigger control, follow-through, yep. the differences between using equipment in the field and not using equipment. Yep. Um, the second day, what we really like to do is we want to run through a bunch of mock uh, hunts, bunch of mock yeah. stages, a bunch of opportunities for them to actually put their equipment to use yep. and use it in a stressful environment. Yeah. And so we had, <laughs> you know, we kind of split up into two different groups, but we had guys out there that literally had never shot anything over a hundred yards. And yeah. so they're banging stuff at five, six, 700 yards, just absolutely loving it. Yep. Um, you know, because we've now given them the tools to be able to succeed in that environment. And it also puts a little bit of stress on you when you got five or six people watching you all, all eyes are on you and you got you know so what we did is we did a 60 yeah, second I lo- time I limit loved it. Yep. um and so we put all of them on the clock for 60 seconds and what we would do is we would just pick a target uh say it was the you know the pig target at 450 yards yep well we wouldn't tell them what yardage it was we would just tell them it's the the green pig target and they would actually have 60 seconds as soon as we told them that to grab their rangefinder, to range it, to dial their stuff, to make sure that they have a good position and put one round on yep. target. Yep. And what we noticed is to start off with, everyone was like in the two and two minutes, 30 yeah. seconds, and three minute guys, time range. Guys that have done this a lot and that yep. we're, we're definitely thinking they were... We're out of the quote unquote hot stuff the day before, like, oh, I'm hitting everything, and we're just laying on our belly shooting prone, yep. the real easy stuff. And so we go this next day, and a couple of those guys, they ate it up, they loved it, but they, they, they did. got beat. The very first one was kind of this awkward dirt mound, and you had to shoot right off the top, or you couldn't see it was sagebrush, you couldn't go down the side, so it was this kind of an awkward position. And people sat there and struggled for minutes. I mean, yeah. I think everybody was struggling. The, the timer would beep at 60 seconds. And I think one guy out of 12 had shot yep. at like he shot at 59 seconds That's and missed, right. which is rushed. Yep. And then, but watching the progression was so fast. So then it was so fun. So for example, uh, someone that has the skills like John, he, he gets up there and it, it, it must've been 28 or 30 seconds. And, yeah, you know, for and it was, it's, it's it was ranging it and getting on target, finding a position, and putting one round on target, and it, he did it in half the time allotted, um, or at least half the time of, of what we were giving these guys. So with the tools, with the knowledge to be able to do it, uh, you can, you can, relate, the, the, you can uh, relate the competition-based stuff 
to the long range hunting oh, stuff. 100%. And it's uh, very valuable. It's super. There's a lot of crossover. And so as we're talking to some of you guys, hunters out there, man, if you can get to you know get to a one day shoot and it's going to be it's going to be painful it's going to learn a lot but man just those you can learn so much so fast you know come to a class and we'll put you in some awkward positions where you're not just laying on your belly and teach you how to do that and it's it's fun but those class you learn so much in this competition side of things and i hate the things well yeah it's a game but man you learn a lot that's super applicable like i wouldn't if i was in a bad situation and it's you know where you needed to shoot your way out of the list of guys I take would be from the sport, you know, and you, cause you're, yep. you guys are so fast, so proficient, so effective, um, you know, a lot over the hunting side of things. And so you learn, you learn a lot. Anyway, I think there's some huge crossover, absolutely giant mm-hmm. crossover. So, um, let's talk a little bit, kind of move on from some of the hunting talk, um, more into the people. We get questions. We were getting questions this week from a guy kind of asking us what we expected out of our gun. Um, before we go to shoot, what mm-hmm. do we like to see? And that's a can be a weird question. And I was kind of curious where he was coming from, what what he had, what he had, uh, what he had, uh, his expectations were previous, um, um, you know, his experiences with guns. And so, but we do get those those uh, questions from time to time of how are guns, how are ES or SDs, velocity spreads what's our how's it shooting at 100 yards what's our vertical like all that kind of stuff before we go to a shoot obviously the answer is we'd like them all to go in the same hole and we'd yep. like to shoot one inch groups <laughs> at a thousand the reality is is i don't know many people that do yeah, that there's joe walls no maybe <laughs> no there's, there's nobody yeah so uh for uh for me and everyone's a little bit different i'm not a super I'm not a big fan of a ton of load development and a ton of burning the barrel up. Yep. Uh, for example, um, at K&M, I literally had screwed a barrel on that uh, week before. Yep. I put a few rounds through it, and I'm shooting the exact same load. And one of the things that I think is nice is with today's technology and cartridges mm-hmm. and with some, some cases and, and technology, there's a lot of very efficient cases yep. that do not take a lot of work to get to shoot well. Like the 6.5 PRC we talked about earlier on six the hunting side. 6.5 PRC is almost like a pretty big yep. 6BR yep. or a 6-Dasher or a 6BRX. Which is what we're all shoot- a lot of us are shooting which in these is competitions. Which what a lot of people shoot. So for me, I shoot a six millimeter BRX, which is a, uh, a case that's based off of the six BR from Lapua. Yep. Um, and so I, I buy Lapua cases, and then I uh, that case, the six BR has a thirty degree shoulder, mm-hmm. and my six BRX has a, also a thirty degree shoulder. All I do is I bump it out one hundred thousandths of an inch to get a little more case capacity. Um, I don't change anything else. Uh, the dasher is almost exactly the same. Yep. They have the same process as a uh, for the dasher, except they are a forty degree shoulder, and that's what I show. It's a little steeper. So they're twins, and when when he says bump them out by a hundred thousand, what you, we put in thirty grains of argot, I put a bullet in there, and then I. When I seat the bullet, I seat it long, so the bullet presses into the lands or the rifling of the barrel, and so you close the bullet. It's a little stiff to close because you're kind of the bullet is pressing into there, so you got cases tight in the chamber. And when you fire, the brass is soft metal. It forms to the cut in your barrel, your chamber, 
and it stretches your case out. Mm-hmm. So Jake stretches it forward and to a 30-degree shoulder, and mine stretches forward to a 40-degree. It's six of one, half dozen of the other. It's essentially the same case, and but it's just you can make argument a little different subtleties, but they're very effective, pr- slow in the six mil world. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to your comment about load development, it is uh, it, if there's an easy button of this game, the BR-based cartridges seem to be it for now. That's right. And the 654, I would say the 6547 is another one yep. in the 65 side. Um, so, um, yeah. So I think one of the big things for consistency is I don't really like to do a lot of low development. Yep. Um, and because of that, I get a little bit lazy. I would much rather use my time wisely instead of at the reloading bench on the practice range. So when I'm, you know, I'm starting to load stuff up, I might throw a couple loads in. And what's acceptable for me might also be acceptable for someone else, but maybe it's not acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's okay. As long as, as long as we're happy with it, what I typically look for is half MOA at 100 yards or better. Yep. And as long as it's a half inch or better, I'm completely okay with that particular rifle system. And then now I start to look at my SDs and my ESs um, over my chronograph. And what I personally like is any SD... That's around five to six and under. I'm okay with that. And typically your SD is still going to be, or your ES, excuse me, is still going to be about 15 or so in that particular platform. And I'm okay with that as well. You want to make sure that's over a a wide or broad spectrum of of your shots. So maybe you take it over 10 or 15 shots. Don't just take two shots and say, okay, my my average is this. No, let's, let's get a... A, a, a varied amount of, of shots in there, uh, yep. maybe 10 or 15, and then you can get a good average. Yep. You can get a good SD. Uh, what's nice is that, like, you know, uh, today we actually use the magneto speed, and so it gives us our different shots, our average, our ES, our yep. SD. Um, and you can also use a lab radar. If you use a lab radar, you're a little bit more fortunate because now you can actually do some work while you're doing it it's not you know the, the yeah, magneto speed straps on the barrel so it's going to yep. change your point of impact a little bit so if you need to shoot with the lab radar you can set it up it's set next to it you can shoot your zero with nothing attached to your gun get your speeds and your zero with a with a magneto speed you need to shoot you know a handful and then take it off and check your zero so you're kind of burning rounds with the lab but mm-hmm. or the magneto speed but it's much smaller and more compact for travel yeah way better for travel both are great chronographs i think that's the gold standard is the lab radar mm-hmm. and the magneto speed um the old shooting crony shoot through F1. sky screens <laughs> yeah like i had the old ced those are no longer you know with the ir screens and spend all this money like don't buy those don't use those mm-hmm. they work and you know if, if that's what you have and that's okay but if you can get access to these other ones they seem to be never finicky i, I just I, easy. I, I, yeah. this is easy and they're very very accurate so mm-hmm. um I'm, and so you guys know there's definitely guys. I mean, my buddy Brian Pants, he's crazy anal about he wants to be shooting shooting in the ones. Yeah, he's OCDs and super low ES. And and so do I, and so does Jay. We we all want, like, we get excited when you shoot a tiny, tiny little group at your 100 yard target. And, but in, in reality, when he says a half inch or better, if your gun consistently shoots a half inch, you can win most of these matches. And, and, and Brian's watched me shoot 
my zero at 100 is substantially worse than that and when matches so yeah. if it's consistent you and that's the thing that the dash or the br the 6547 some of these rounds get you even a bad shooting one of those is say it's a half three I think three quarter would be pretty bad they just don't shoot that bad generally they, i mean it's not hard to get half inch and the spreads are very low velocity spreads for pretty much everything you do that's one of the giant advantages when you have your standard deviation in the five or six and under is that you know your water line out at distance which is very important in our yeah. game because if you know that your water line at a distance and so when i say water line it's where your bullets are consistently hitting on the one elevation the, you know your elevation yeah. horizontal axis all of a sudden you have um you know one thing to worry about and that's just your wind you know that your elevation is perfect and so yeah. that takes one less thing out of the equation if you do miss now it's what side do i miss off of okay i'll yep. make a correction and i'll pull the trigger yeah again. you're not trying to hide, hold high and left you're just holding left or right or whatever so um i'm in the same i'm i'm a little bit more in my head the confidence that i get from when i get a gun that's shooting sub half like if when you get a quarter inch gun and it's just hammering like which you know you get but uh it just builds a lot of confidence you you just know when you're laying down you're shooting a little tiny plate on like a, a know your limits rack or you something no you're gonna pound you it. just know you're gonna hit it versus <laughs> versus hoping hey, it's shooting pretty good but i could slip one off the edge if i throw a little bit of a flyer so i like to get them as good as i can and that's more for my head than probably an actual benefit in a match um and and generally i don't people ask about es and sd and i don't even look at it or worry about it because they're always good mm-hmm. with the br you know i haven't shot a creed or an xc maybe a cartridge that could be potentially a little more finicky if you run them on the high end um i haven't ran those for so long and i think xc is a bad example because that's i did run that in the past it was very consistent but anyway some of the maybe the bigger cartridges could be a little bit more finicky where the br is just consistent so i just throw a chronograph on and measure my speed i just want my speed to f- for running my ballistic calculator not necessarily for checking essd because they're always good i threw a magneto on today sight in day and shot i don't know i had an es3 i only shot three shots but i didn't have very many left but mm-hmm. i was like well it's good enough Those are all so yeah so um yeah, i like it you know i like it to shoot small but if i if i have to go to a match and it's consistent half inch i'm okay with that too i don't like being over that um let's when you say first for example you get to let's let's talk about car sitter match um it was a team match uh never done those jake and i've never shot team match together jake shooting the new hornady uh 110 a tip and the bc is 304 306 somewhere in there and we kind of like well let's get um let's try to get close so I didn't have any ATIPs. I had some DTACs, which have a uh, 115 DTAC, has similar BC. And so I was like, I'll just try to match your speed. So I dropped down. Long story short, I just cut my powder charger right before we left, dropped it down so we were similar speed, so our wind calls would be very similar and our drops would be the same, just to help in the team aspect part of it. We get to the match. We go to side in the guns, and I am way off on vertical. Um, say you get to a match, that one, for example, What's your routine if your zero's good, your chronograph number's good, you're hitting, you're good at 400 and six, everything's good, and you go out, like, what well, I think what we shoot at, we shot 11, 1200 yards up this draw. You were dead nuts on your elevation. It was just hammering. I was way low, mm-hmm. way low. 
So, so if, what, what do you do if to fix that? If you're low, that means your BC is not quite as good as you thought. Okay. Um, if you're high, it means your BC is a little better um, yep. or you're flying over the top. And with your BC, that number can actually change a little bit based off of your rifle system. Basically, as that bullet goes through the barrel, it does a couple things. It might elongate, and if it elongates, that means you have a tight bore, and your BC is going to be slightly better. And when I talk about slightly, it's maybe six points or eight points better. So from a three to maybe like a a 306 or a 310, but those particular numbers can make a difference at longer ranges, like yep. 1,000 or 1,200 yards. Exactly. Um, you'll almost never see that at three, four, five, six hundred nope. yards. It's just too close. The bullet's going too fast. Yep. And there's not enough magnific- or, you know, uh, There's not enough distance to really magnify that particular problem. Exactly. So what we'll do is um, I'm a fan of changing those points in the BC. What, one thing, if you have uh, a trust f- uh, number for velocity... Say you have a chronograph or a couple chronographs and Mm -hmm. you can trust it and you know that they're matching up, you know your velocity is a constant number. Do not ever change that. That's that's never going to change. It's not going to all of a sudden go 2,900 or 2,950 when it was going 2,850. That's not possible because you're loading the same thing. You're, uh, you know, as long as your barrel is within that limit, you know, I know sometimes you can burn out a barrel or whatever, but say you're between yeah, that, stuff happens, but that generally, 200 to 2,000 mark, you're somewhere in there, it's going to be pretty darn consistent. So don't ever change that particular velocity number because you know it. You've tested it. Your chronographs are not going to lie to you. Yep. Um, and so maybe you know you want to test over a couple chronographs and make sure that is a legit number. Okay, you know that. You know your zero is money. You shot at 100 yards. There's only one thing that can really change that. Well, or excuse me, there's two. One's going to be the environment. Two is going to be the BC of that particular bullet. So if you're hitting low, um, you need to lower your BC to bring your bullet up. Yep. If you're hitting over the top, you actually need to raise your BC because the it's flying a little bit flatter. It doesn't have quite the drop mm-hmm. um, to be able to match those numbers up. And it doesn't even matter for me. If now all my stuff is lined up for for a long time, yep. it's a trusted number yep. um, that I've tested. I've trusted out to distance in multiple different environments, and it lines up. So I know, man, if I'm like a half mil off, something is something's wrong. Something's going on. I need to I need to start over and double check stuff. But if you're having that problem, maybe fiddle with that BC just a little bit and see if that brings you back to your sweet spot of that of that uh you know long range yeah i do know that left to right wind and right to left wind will absolutely change yeah. where your bullet is hitting um you know on the vertical because it's going to be uh you know called bullet jump your bullet always spins to the right in most of these barrels yep. and so if you have a wind from the right you're going to actually climb that bullet up just a little bit yep. and now the same is true your bullet is spinning to the right, and if you have a wind the opposite direction, coming from the left, coming from the left, it's actually going to push it down just a little bit. And yep. so, a lot of people they get a, a wind from the nine o'clock, and so where are they going to hit? Well, they're going to typically they're going to hit a little bit low, yep. and so now they say, well, I'm hitting low at 
at a thousand yards and I'm like two tenths low at a thousand yards. Yeah. Well, where's the wind coming from? Well, it's coming from the nine o'clock direction to the three o'clock. Yep. And it's going seven to ten miles an hour. Yeah. Well, let's plug that in and see what's happening. Yep. Really, it's going to dive two tenths because of that. And your Kestrel so. will show that if you enter it in. Some apps yep. do not. Um, that's this getting uh, I wouldn't say super advanced, but this is getting a little more advanced. But don't so don't make sure you have your environmentals entered in correctly, and don't go out and try to true call it true in your BC when the wind's just ripping or some crazy environmentals. Try to get a morning or an evening when the wind's cold, cool, yep. calm. Um, but it did get in my head the example I gave that car sitter match. It was I was way low, and like Jake said, for a long time I've had I've run a you know a 304 bc with a DTAC, you know with a with a burger two uh, 105 hybrid at 274 G, these are g7 numbers and i've been real consistent good zero good speed and generally my drops are really close and i was way off i still don't know why we end up lowering from a 304 to a 290 and i ran it all weekend i hit 1400 yard targets yeah absolutely yard targets. hammered those too. yeah i mean and that lined up and I, so it kind of got in my head i was like and jake's like dude it is what it is. I was like, I know, but that's a big... I mean, going yeah. from a 290 to 304 is, is pretty substantial. The biggest I've ever corrected. I don't know why. I still... I can't tell you, but but don't be afraid if you're at a match and stuff's not lining up. Try to catch it. Pay attention. Try to fix it before mm-hmm. you before you start. And if you're... You know, you can fix it during the day, too, if you're consistent, consistently low or high on a target. Yeah. A few stages, fix it and try to salvage a match. And so. if, you, if you know that those constants are correct... The constants would be the speed. The constants would be your zero. Um, if you know those are correct, you're going to have a really good opportunity um, to dial that BC in. And it doesn't matter if that BC reads 9 billion. Yep. If your stuff's lining up at distance, run it. If you're pounding targets at distance, run it. Don't yep. worry about what that number says or what Joe Schmo or or John or, or, or Brian Jake Litz or, or Brian Litz. It is what it is. You know, it, it doesn't it doesn't matter what myself or John or wh- yeah. whoever says that that number should be. That's not what's that is not what is happening with your particular platform. Yep. And so yep. sometimes you'll get guys rolling around the range that kind of puff their shoulders out and they want to tell you all the numbers that they know in their head oh yeah this bullet's a 330 yeah. i've run it for years you should definitely run that yeah well okay joe schmo i, I appreciate you telling me that but 330 is not working for me so yeah. really what works for me is a 322 yeah. um and i'm pounding targets all the way out to 1200 yards yeah. my water line is perfect yeah. so guess what run it and say thank you so much joe schmo for your advice yeah. um you yeah know. those are good ballpark numbers to start with yeah so that's you right and see where you're at but yeah just but yeah true it up for yourself and you don't be afraid to tweak a little bit so that was that was a recent example for me of just being being further off than i've been in a long time and uh and you went down to 290 and absolutely uh, shot targets well, all weekend really well we shot right together the whole time which was it was just a I'm, i still don't know why i didn't sort it out because i didn't shoot that bullet much more but just wanted to yeah. do that for that match but um probably getting a little long i want to cover one more thing um in PRS and NRL, they have a speed limit of 3,200 feet a second. So if you were to stand back and you look at, well, I could take, say, let's use the new 110A tip, for example. Super consistent, giant BC, a good bullet. I could take that 110 and I could run it at 3,150 out of a Creedmoor or a 6SIP or whatever, 243 Ackley, whatever you want to run, You big old cartridge. 
And my wind at 1,000 yards to mile an hour is now only at 1.6 mils instead of 2 like our dashers or 1.9 like our dashers. So I'm saving a half mil of wind. How could you not absolutely just destroy everybody when you have the fastest, flattest, most hot rod gun out there? Um, What is your thoughts on that as we both run very slow? uh, You're running. So what's your speed? You're probably the slowest 6 millimeter out of... (laughs) 250 people at the match route right now. So I run the 110 grain bullets out of a 6 BRX, and I'm running 29.60 this weekend. Um, No, you're not. Excuse me, 27.60. Thank you. I apologize. (laughs) 29.60 would be awesome. That would be awesome. That's where we would like to. We like (laughs) that. That sounds good. We were just talking about that because I wanted to gain 200 feet a second, but (laughs) I also like the consistency. Okay, back to it. I'm running 27.60. That's slow. So it sounds really slow, but here's what I found out over the last few years is that uh, I love consistency, and I love... Um, knowing that my bullet is going to be there when it counts the most. Now, I've also run a Creedmoor in past years as well. What I noticed is I was at like 3130, 3150 mm-hmm. with the 105 Burger Hybrids. What I really noticed is that, man, one day it would be 31, one day it'd be 3150, one day it'd be 3108. Um, it just was... Because it was a little bit overbore, yeah. the the case is inherently a little bit less stable and a little bit uh, more finicky. It's like a it's like a drag strip car versus a, a Toyota Camry. That's right, exactly. So you have you're you're pushing the ragged edge of performance with those big overbore calibers, and the slightest thing that happens, you know, the slightest thing that goes wrong, whether it's environment, whether it's powder whether it's uh, neck tension, whether it's, you can name a bunch of different things, but something might affect it quite a bit. And that particular velocity or that particular node is not going to be there as long as say my um, six BRXs. So again, I'm running. When you run the same powder charge for 2000 rounds and nothing ever changes. Yep. That's right. And then you, you, you literally, you take you take your barrel off, you put a new barrel on and you run the exact same thing again yep. for another 2,000 yep. rounds. And it's it's within 5 or 10 feet a second. Yeah, it's it's just a new barrel. Yep. So I'm a huge fan of running slow and consistent. Um, I've done it for a long time uh, with a lot of success. And a lot of the guys have run, you know, they very well might uh, have 200 or, or 300 feet per second. But there's one more topic that, um, you know, we can maybe talk about on yeah. that. But there's... They're, they're, they might be running quite a bit hotter than me, um, but how many times, knock on wood, obviously, yeah. um, you know, for problems. I hate problems. I like to just, you know. And by uh, problems, the uh, pressure so or say, uh, we something. Were, I was home. It was 50 degrees and cool, and I come here, and it's. 90 degrees and 100% humidity. (laughs) It's just pouring down rain. It's just, you walk outside and you start sweating. So you've got pressure and air density and and different things you're flying across the country. And my speeds are exactly the same. Within two feet a second from a home to here with a dasher. That's right. Where I learned this lesson the hard way. I I flew down to CORE three years ago. I have my 6 SLR, which is a 243, a, a tweak of a 243. Improved, basically. Yep. And uh, I went to core. Uh, my speed was so much faster. It was. It was. I was right on the ragged edge of thirty-two hundred feet a second. Coming from at home, I was thirty-one, 
right at 3110 I gained almost 90 feet a second it was I this first stage in I started I couldn't open the bolt pressure now and this is a this is the round I just shot in the PRS finale really well down in dry desert country in Texas and shooting great at home and I got to Florida and the humidity and the temperatures I just locked the gun up and so I learned a hard lesson I flew all the way to Florida drove all the way out to core and I shot one stage and that was the end of my match. <laughs> and so that's how I learned that's how I learned that lesson for myself. And then I started moving towards the dasher and I've been there for for mm-hmm. years now. Um, so consistency. The other thing that I like about the slower moving cartridges is uh, as some of you guys may know, I love watching Trace. Yep. I teach it in a lot of my classes. Um, it, you know, kind of uh, it, it, it really gains some points for me to be able to see my bullet uh, over the course of its flight. Now, what I want you guys to do is I want you to go shoot your fast 3,200 feet per second, 6 millimeter, and see how, how many bullets you see. The answer is probably going to be very, you know, not very many. Now I want you to go shoot a 22 long rifle um, that's going much slower, and I want you to say, hey, how many of those bullets did I see? You're probably going to say, well, I saw every one of them. You know, how could you not? It's right in front of you. Yeah. Well, what we're doing is you're actually, you're by saving, you know, 3,000 feet or by saving 300 feet a second or maybe even 250, mm-hmm. you're actually uh, able to see that 10% more because it's going 10% slower. Yep. So you have a better opportunity to see the bullet. And then you can really start to catch it because. And when you mean see the bullet, you're not you're not just meaning seeing the bullet land on the plate or next to exactly plate. You're right. watching the not necessarily fly. the bullet, but the trace of the bullet go from the pretty much from leaving the barrel all the way. I mean, you pick it up, you know, two three hundred yards downrange, yep. and you pick it out, pick it up, and you follow it out, and you can actually watch the trace push in the wind. You can yep. you're, you're you're at a level I'm jealous of of that. I do not see trace like you do. Um, and that's definitely something I, I, that I want to work on, and that is posi- building positions and so on and so forth. But the slower, consistent cartridges are easier to see. I save. think they help. And what you'll notice is even the 6547, yep. um, it has slightly more recoil, but it is also slower. Yep. Um, and because it's slower, you have a little bit of advantage seeing that if you can manage a recoil properly. Exactly. Um, now, there might be something to still run in a fast six. We've talked about this we time still, and time again. We still <laughs> go around. I, I'm jonesing for a fast six, partially because my dash has been running so good. Joe Wall's spinning me up barrels, and they just it's been easy, and I'm, I've got enough easy guns in a row where I'm starting to get that, that wild hair, wanting to play with it. Maybe an XC. I'd run it on the slow side, but an XC or Creed. So we're, not, we're definitely not opposed to it, but there are some big benefits. I just want to play with it because I haven't visited it for a few years, and I just come back to it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we're, we're always tinkering and talking about Yeah, that's exactly right. The different so stuff. I think that the, the big thing is find something that works for you. Um, I say that a lot, and I really, truly mean it. Um, you know, we want you guys to succeed that are yep. listening. We want you guys to hit a lot of targets. But what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to find something that works for you. Don't don't let me tell you you have to do this. Don't exactly. let John tell you you have to do this. Yep. There is no one right answer. Yep. Um, so do what works well for you. And there's a lot of guys out there shooting stuff that I would just never, ever shoot. Yep. And guess what? They are pounding targets. That's true. Perfect. Great. Yep. You know, good for them. We want we want everyone to hit all the targets. Yep. We want everyone to have a good time. Yep. But you have to be successful in your own gear, your own setup, yep. and you know, kind of do it in your own way and go from there. Yeah, and gear's advancing so fast. Part of my try a little faster round is like, well, 
our scales are so much better our kestrels and bullets everything all the industry is pushing hard on this so i want to revisit it the 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 other so for competition i can't agree more with the consistency so then you move to hunting for a second um i went i wouldn't say the extreme route but i built a 338 norma uh shot good I was hoping to get it, I guess I kind of had a speed in my head, a conservative speed, and I got nowhere near it. And I was running 300 grainers at 27, I don't remember, low 27s. And it was consistent, and it shot a good distance. But with hunting, there's more range uncertainty. So there's an argument for speed. And so I'm still in the middle of that. The PRC is kind of in the middle. It's not screaming you know, crazy hot six, five, it's, it, you can get it 2950, 3050, depending on barrel length and power It's probably faster depending on some of the powders you do, but I'm going to run it probably. I kind of want to run a 140 class bullet around the 2950 to 3000 range. So a good middle of the road round. I'm also building a 300 Norma that I'm going to probably push a little harder. <laughs> and so I'm going to run, you go two fifteens, two thirties, somewhere in that class bullet, the weight class. Now I'm going to run it hot because because of range uncertainty. So we were on elk yep. hunt, um, you know, and you, you get, especially on flat ground, if you cannot get a range quickly or, or you're having a difficulty, you're like, man, I, I'm pinging a thousand twenty, I'm pinging 900, but he's in some brush and it could be, you know, 980, it could be 930. You just get a little bit more margin for error with that speed. So there is an argument on the hunting side. Um, I've gone super fast with giant bullets. I've run 300 ultra max fast with light bullets i've run 338s fast with 300 grain bullets like 3150 type of range and mm-hmm. and that's a killer but there's also a big recoil there's pros and cons to all of it so on the hunting side i'm going back and forth i'm going to keep playing i can't wait for this pr season norms like i talked about but um there are definitely is an argument to be made for a little more speed in hunting because you're also not running 200 rounds over the course of a weekend you're running one uh, or two just running a few rounds so you're not going to be wearing barrels out because of that speed so um some of that doesn't necessarily cross over quite mm-hmm. as much into the hunting world um and so for example like if um kind of what john's talking about is if you run a uh, say a big 300 norma or something where it's going to go pretty fast and that bull's going to carry a lot of a lot of juice behind it yeah. um if you have range uncertainty between let's just say four and 500 yards um you know, you're talking about the difference of in the 300 Norma, you got about uh, 14 or so more inches of drop. And if you were to go, you know, to say like a six, five of some sort, and you're going to run something now you're talking about, uh, you know, about 20 inches or, or 26 inches of drop. So 14 so th- inches between 400 and 500 yards. <clears throat> yeah. So, so 100 so, yard margin for error is only 14 inches. Yes, that's correct. And, and so the, the difference is 20, is 20 something. So 10 not, more inches. So you got 10 more inches. And so that's a difference between a hit and a miss Absolutely. At, at those particular ranges. Yep. Uh, and that's just because you're shooting something a little bit bigger and yep. a little bit faster and it's able to carry its, you know, carry its stuff down range a little bit more. So. Yep. So I'm I'm gonna I'm running a little faster than that. 338 norm was a little slow for me. I was like, man, it's just you really had to be spot on with your lasers. And we were we were doing some testing in a spot that was a little difficult to get ranges. We were within 20 and 30 yards, but it was really hard to pin it down. And uh, you could really see that vertical spread out, you know, hitting missing high or low. Where I'd grab my other gun that was faster, and it was uh, um, um it was definitely uh definitely less vertical so that's a uh, just a side note on the 
consistency where you where it is a difference between competition and uh, and hunting somewhat. So um, anyway, we're running up on an hour here. Uh, Cover some more topics and uh, we'll probably wrap this sucker up. Again, catch us at uh, vpprecision.com, Instagram, Facebook. We'd love to hear from you guys. Anything we can do to help you. Um, let's do, uh, let's see here. Um, let's going to do a thing about class, but that class will be over. So we're headed down to, we're going to have a class next week down at quiet riot, which will probably be over by the time this airs, mm-hmm. but, um, we've got some more classes. We'll let you guys know is those, uh, we get those on the schedule and planned and see how they fit in our schedule and how they're going. So, um, these ones are filling up good. I'm excited about those. Um, but yeah, hit us up on online questions, comments, feedback, positive, negative, all of it. We'd love for you to, I mean, if you think about it, if, if you know, we're just doing this for free and for fun. So if you guys could give us reviews on, you know, on iTunes or any of those podcast places, that would certainly help, um, you know, get the word out a little bit. We'd appreciate it. Um, and we're just, we're having a good time doing it. So until next time, toodles.